old school Paul, new school Justin. Man, y'all still going to school though. <laughs> Sit down, listen up. Father, son, y'all think it's just another one. Fade the beta, they be grading players, all it's done is Made the piper pay me, and they've been grinding lately Up late, hit the waivers, don't hate the player, hate me It's just a game boy, never gifted one on Christmas Instead I asked for ships to hit everything off my wish list. Check the litmus, do y'all really not get this? Hit this triangular shaped button, I don't want you to miss this but I guess that's really none of my business Me risky free crews with pollen Justin just listening Yards after contact and catch, that's a lot of distance The kind of info make me wanna blow opponents kisses But I gotta be clear, there was one key difference Relationship is deep in this vent of ellipses Like how Justin agreed to washing all the dishes I'm just grateful Paul turned the miss into the missus Father son pie, get down on the get down If you don't get it now, then get, get out Father son pie, sit down and get rich now if you're not feeling it now then get get out what's up everybody welcome to the father son fantasy football podcast my name is paul my name is justin we're back another redraft episode we have another dynasty episode coming soon but it's prime redraft season so we're pumping out all this redraft content for you your twitter at paul fsff my twitter at justin underscore ffb and we talk about all these players and who to draft, who not to draft. Last episode was Scott Barrett. We talked Marquise Brown, a guy you want to get. But all these players, there's some other factors that go into it. Say it's a good offense, bad offense, that kind of matters. Who's their quarterback? That also matters. You got to look into that when you're drafting players. Absolutely. Offensive line, that's also really important. Sure. But there's a crucial factor that you got to look at when drafting a player, and that's injury history how that's going to impact them this year and all that jazz. Last year, Odell Beckham, the title of the podcast, Odell Beckham's injury prone. year before that, our first year doing a podcast, it was Keenan Allen's injury prone. And every single year, we are honored to be going, joined by friend of the podcast, Matthew Betts, a.k.a. at the Fantasy PT. What is going on, Matthew? What's up, Matthew? Justin Paul, what is going on, fellas? Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Now the third time. Um, and I look forward to this show every single year with you guys. It's always a blast. Love talking injuries with you guys. So hopefully we can bring your listeners uh, some good advice here. Hopefully more good news than bad news when it comes to these injuries. But I feel like I'm usually the bearer of bad news. So hopefully <laughs> it's uh, it's more good than bad. But we'll see. Hey, whatever the case may be, you're making our listeners and That's the people right. who are watching this way more informed, which helps. I had the master plan of having this episode recorded today because originally our home league draft was Friday, and I wasn't going to put this episode out the next week, so I was going to have it just for myself. <laughs> we were going to wait, and we were going to wait gonna for wait. it. But we decided to be—I uh, decided to be a good commissioner and push the draft back as far as possible due to this whole COVID off season. So, if any of the league mates are listening, you're welcome. And if you're not, well, that's, that's your own fault, I guess. But I'm excited to get into some of these players. I mentioned Hollywood Brown, so I guess we're going to start there, and then I'll probably follow the show sheet eventually because I'm really—I'm getting you, can, you know. You can go but Hollywood Brown. Comes out of college, Liz Frank injury, and from my understanding, that's the foot. I mean, I'm going into PA school, I gotta know it's always the foot, but he had a screw put in to help, I guess, advance the healing process, make it all good. And this offseason, he got the screw removed. So I'm high on Marquise Hollywood Brown. You're high on Marquise Hollywood Brown. Scott Barrett is high on Marquise Hollywood Brown. And I go on Twitter occasionally, once again, at the Fantasy PT is Matthew's Twitter. And I know he's high on Marquise Hollywood Brown as well. So tell the people what this screw getting removed means. And I didn't even know you could remove a screw. 
Matthew, I you can remove a screw. In, they're <laughs> in there forever. So, Matthew, here we are. Matthew, 2020, help us out. what a year. Medicine <laughs> <laughs> is advanced. You can remove screws from the feet. Yeah. So, with, with Marquise Brown, you know, expecting a lot from him as a rookie was just really, I think, fool's gold. Um, now, he came out and I think even exceeded expectations coming off the Liz Frank surgery. And really, Liz Frank injuries are not a a catch-all term for what the injury is. And so basically what it is, it's an injury to the midfoot. You have all these little tiny bones in the, the middle of your foot. Any part of that, like those joints getting injured is called a Liz Frank injury. So one person's is not the same as the next. And that's really important. And so for Hollywood Brown, his surgery, because it had a screw put in, is characterized by an unstable fracture. So the screw is needed to help healing, as Justin said. And that usually carries a longer recovery timeline. It takes longer for players to perform when they get back on the field. Research shows about a 20% reduction in performance in the first year back. But having the screw removed is excellent news for Marquise Brown because oftentimes when that happens, players are dealing with pain and, and soreness in their foot because the screw can kind of um, irritate the bones, the ligament and joint. And so when they're running and trying to cut, it can just be an irritant, even though the, the fracture is healed. So getting the screw removed is of zero concern to me from a, a recovery process. It's actually very beneficial for him. So I think we'll see Marquise Brown maybe even be a little bit more explosive this year uh, and obviously potentially take a big step forward here in year two. Ooh, baby. I, you know, that's we give Marquise <laughs> Brown. You get the correct answer. Like getting that screw removed helps his game speed. Scott Barrett mentioned also his game speed should be back up to where it was around like 23 miles per hour, which... That's pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. I can't run that fast. Matthew, I don't know if you can run that fast either. I mean, sheesh. Lights out. And I wish. <laughs> I, I wish, too. I, I wouldn't be podcasting and tell you that much right now. But <laughs> you're shaking your head. I mean, I'm going to make you shake your head even some more right now. That's why we have Matthew on the show. That's why we have Matthew I, I on the show. I don't even know you could re you remove a screw once. The more you know. Day. I believe Kevin Durant had a similar procedure, but we don't talk about Kevin Durant on this podcast. I hate that no, man. He's very passionate. I hope oh, he never whoa. succeeds again. I love the guy before. He, he's a bitch. But whoa. this is not a basketball podcast. Let's I'm a Thunder see. fan. For anyone listening, so it's deep down in my heart. It hurts me, but like that guy sucks. I know. I mean, <laughs> since he went to the Warriors. <laughs> well, yeah, now he's gone. But anyway, we're talking about feet. Might as well talk about Debo Samuel Jones fracture. Now, watch, watch me tell. Watch, see, I, I'm going into PA school. I want to be an orthopedics PA. So maybe down the road, Matthew and I will be working in unison. Who knows? I'll be sending some patients to him to get, you know, rehabilitation. I'm diagnosing them. But a Jones fracture is. I, I last time I talked about Debo Samuel's Jones fracture, I put my foot up on the, the live stream. It's in this area. It's in the outside area. <laughs> and it's in this area, also known as the watershed area, because limited blood flow happens in the area of the foot. And what that means for the foot is slower healing process. So what is the expected time frame for this guy to be back? And was I correct by saying it's the watershed area with lower blood flow to that area? <laughs> <laughs> that actually is correct in terms of oh, the blood supply. Oh, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you might be putting me out of a out of a position. Like <laughs> Pretty soon, you guys won't need me on the show. You'll just you'll know everything. I uh, know. We're always um, going to need you, Matthew. Always. It it is a concern for healing, and so that spot tends to heal longer. And if you know anyone out there that's ever broken a bone or talks to other people about broken bones, you always hear, okay, it's going to be six to eight weeks. Well, for Jones fracture, it's usually in the in the realm of twelve to fourteen weeks. Ooh. Can be that long because of that limited blood supply, and so it's not always that long, but it is kind of tricky, and it's one that you just have to monitor as the days and, and weeks go by. And so for Debo Samuel, he's on track right now, but week one is quickly approaching, and I have very little confidence that he'll be ready to go. Not from a rehab and like health standpoint, but this injury is notably 
tricky because it takes a lot of time for that bone to kind of build back up to full strength, if you will, and almost kind of build up the capacity for the stress that's put on it in football, planting, cutting, pivoting, all those things stress the outside of the foot, which is where that broken bone is for Debo Samuel. So it might take him three to four weeks to get back into quote unquote football shape. And so even if there's reports coming out and saying, okay, he's ready to go for week one, it doesn't necessarily mean he should be in your fantasy lineup week one. It just means maybe he's ready to go from a practice standpoint. So I'm expecting a slow month for Debo to start in September, but he's a guy that I'm kind of circling and saying maybe late in the year we can go out and trade for him if he has a down week or two uh, early in the season. Yes, perfectly well said. Perfect, perfect time to trade for him. Yeah, I was just going to say he's more of a trade hand than a guy I'm going out of my drafts to, to take on the draft. I did take him in Scott Fishbowl. Part of that was because the value was there, in my opinion, and I was like, I have Jimmy Garoppolo, I have George Kittle, a triple stack in a tournament-style kind of format could be beneficial if he comes back to be 100%, but expecting his production to be the same way it was last year, right off the bat when he comes back, is it's you're just not thinking straight. Yeah, right. You're yeah. just not, especially if it's his foot, and you mentioned all these pivoting, planning, and all that stuff, and he's more of a yak receiver than he is like a Mike Evans catch-and-fall-down receiver, so... He needs his feet, I guess, more than him, you could say. So I'm I'm most likely avoiding in drafts and doing what Matt said, and that's trading for him after the fact. Now near the foot, see, we're moving up the body. I didn't even plan this, but it works out perfectly. There's a lot of players who suffered a high ankle sprain last year, and I just want to put out there before we get Matthew's professional opinion, you're getting my unprofessional opinion. High ankle sprains matter, people. Like it's it's like you know, if you're, especially if you're running back or wide receiver, they matter a lot more than people think. Like someone could be like, "Oh, I just sprained my ankle outside. I'm gonna go, you know, do." But no, this is NFL athletes. It's a high ankle sprain. There's a difference between. Show a, us on your foot, like you did. With you want to see yeah, high the, ankle sprain is up here, <laughs> and I'm gonna ask before we get into like the players and stuff. The high ankle sprain versus a low ankle sprain because there are two different things. One's in a different part of the foot, and I believe high ankle sprains are more severe. Notable impact players last year was Saquon Barkley, who magically came back after three weeks or something like that, which he shouldn't have, but this dude just loves the game of football. But thank he goodness came he back get and played good too. He wasn't awful. And then David Johnson, everyone remembers David Johnson's just yeah. follow-up last year. A big part of that was because of the high ankle sprain. He also had a back injury too. And then Alvin Kamara. High ankle sprain, and then yesterday we found out he also had a torn MCL. This dude did tweet out about a month ago, I was playing on one leg for 75% <laughs> yeah. of the season. And I was like, yeah, high ankle sprain, I guess that's one leg. I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But now this news comes out, and I'm like, okay, you were playing on one leg for 75% of the season. Good, good job, Alvin Kamara. So high ankle sprain versus low ankle sprain, how does that impact a player, and which one is more severe? Yeah, and, and real quick, just with uh, Alvin Kamara, it actually did come out in season. There was some reports, and I looked at the video of him when he got hit. Definite MCL sprain, no doubt about it. So I feel like it was one that just no one talked about because he also had the high ankle sprain at the same time, and that was kind of taking control of the headlines. But regardless, incredible that the guy came back from both of those yeah. things. Um, as far as the low ankle sprain and high ankle sprain difference, really the high ankle sprain is more problematic for longer. Um, people always chalk up low ankle sprains basically referring to like the ligaments on the outside of the ankle as like your typical basketball injury where like you step on someone's shoe and roll your ankle inward we've all done that and so it's super common and so people always say like oh it's just an ankle sprain well a high ankle sprain is not that and it certainly takes a while to get back on the field most recovery timelines will tell you it's about four to six weeks sometimes longer if it's a severe enough injury and just anecdotally speaking with the patients i've worked with coming off of this injury and you know an athletes it's 
it just hurts, man. <laughs> like people will tell you like, they'll be eight weeks out and they're like, it still hurts. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, man. We need more time. And so even though these players are doing everything they can to rehab, like it's their job, these ankle injuries can linger. And we saw that a bit last year with some of these players we are talking about. Um, but man, Saquon Barkley, like I have no explanation yeah. for that. The guy is just not, he's not human. <laughs> he's a robot. He, <laughs> he, he, yeah. as Three yeah. weeks is unbelievable. This dude was back. like, yeah, I'm coming back early. But if anyone were to come back that early and still obviously hindered his performance but this i mean just just look at a picture of the guy yeah. i know you like to look at pictures of guys with a shirt off dk metcalf you have, yeah you, this is on a podcast we have it in uh, editing not proof. In that way though yeah come you on. said it not me they, they just you, look like dk metcalf come on look, look, at him, look at him without <laughs> his shirt off the guy dk is just, metcalf and guy, saquon I mean, barkley are they you no, it doesn't close. go any further than that well saquon barkley <laughs> you're gonna have to get that audio clip yeah, i'm gonna have, have to, to find it i believe it was like four clip, episodes yeah. ago it was the one with jj zacharyson i believe so props look at that it's just off the head i don't even know i don't listen to this podcast if you guys are listening this far though <laughs> you subscribe but i mean <laughs> Most podcasters can attest to this. They don't like their voice. You don't like your voice, do you? That? I don't like my voice. Matthew, do you like your voice when you listen back to it? You're like, uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just accustomed to mine now. I'm like, man, this guy sounds like an asshole. And it's true. But <laughs> Big Ben, also kind of an asshole. I mean, if you knew, based on the reports and stuff like that. But he had some nasty ligament damage last year with his elbow. I believe he said he tore there's four ligaments, I believe I think the elbow. So this is taking me back to A and P one and that was almost a year ago. So my memory's vague. I better touch up on this stuff before I go back to PA school because yeah. it's gonna be rough, rough, rough sledding, you know. But ulnar collateral ligament he tore and I believe he said he tore two more. So what are you expecting from a recovery at a, I think he's thirty eight years old? Thirty eight years old, yes. Ooh, that that does not help his chances. But he says he's good. He's He's chilling back, drinking beer. He's ready to go. But are you expecting him to be we'll we'll set the floor at eighty percent of his normal self and what's the normal recovery time for an injury like that? Yeah, there's been a lot of I feel like miscommunication or just incorrect terminology in the general media in regards to Big Ben. First it was, you know, Tommy John surgery, then it wasn't Tommy John surgery. Now it's muscles in his forearm that he's had repaired on the elbow like what is it you know um and that matters from talking about how confident i feel in his recovery he has since confirmed himself three uh tendons that attach onto the elbow the inside of the elbow um, of the wrist and forearm muscles that you need for gripping and throwing were torn last year and he had those muscles repaired back onto the inside of his elbow so it actually wasn't tommy john's surgery and if it was i'd be telling you I'm really worried about Big Ben, man. But coming off of the surgery to repair those those tendons gives me a little bit more confidence relative to Tommy John's surgery. Now, I will say, all things considered, he's still a 38-year-old quarterback coming off of a major surgery on his throwing elbow. And, and really what people need to understand is this injury is an overuse injury. It, it very rarely happens like an acute, like one pitch in, in a baseball player or one throw in a quarterback, he is dealing with with pain for a couple of weeks leading up to the injury. So that tells you it's more or less that kind of chronic, um, overused muscle. That gives me more pause about can Big Ben hold up for an entire season or if you're in Dynasty, can he hold up for two? I'm not sure. He's entering week one healthy, so I have zero concerns. Like if you're a DFS player and you like Big Ben in week one, play him. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But the offense in general and the defense for that matter, it might look different than when we last saw Big Ben on the field. He's not going to chuck it 650 times this year. I I highly doubt that. The defense is way better. 
but essentially they, they bring him down to help preserve the elbow to reduce the pass attempts. All that to say, I think Big Ben's fine week one and moving forward. I'm just not sure what he's going to look like in December or, heck, even in 2021. Yeah, so Dynasty, it's tough to sell this guy because he is 38 years old, but if you are able to sell him somehow, maybe package him with some guy who you're to sell high or maybe someone that you, you know, you're bullish on. Like, I guess an example I can use with this is Big Ben and a guy like Calvin Ridley, which is going to be tough to move on from, but if you can package those two up and get a big quarterback upgrade, it may be smart to do so because this guy's his windows is closing. It's it's almost already basically closed, but you can almost have the strength to reopen the window yeah. and push him out and then quickly shut it again. Yeah, you know, he's thirty eight years old. I mean, I'm fifty three. I got two well, shoulder well, surgeries. Well, 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 I mean, you got the same. <laughs> you don't recover like when you were when you were early. You're 20s. not putting well. You're putting up better numbers with these two shoulder surgeries. You're putting uh, up better fantasy golf numbers. I'm I'm playing pretty good. I'm playing pretty good golf considering the two shoulder surgeries. You, you got a hole in one. I did get a hole in one. Yes. There we go. I mean, I, I, that's what matters. Three weeks ago. Yeah, look at that. You're still smiling about it. I would smiling, be too. Man. And I My know. The game is good. I'm shooting 75 or better every time out there, oh, just about. It's it's yeah. it's very solid right now. Consistent. I, I like you, that. I, I put my money that you are one of the best fantasy football podcasters slash writers at golf in the industry. I, I wouldn't start say the best. I know Jake Anderson. I don't, he sometimes was since our podcast made our logo. He's very good at golf. He's, I believe, on the amateur tour. He got oh, a, so He's good. very, very good. But you and him, I don't know who could beat you two. I don't. It was not me. Definitely not me. I didn't get your <laughs> golf jeans. I did not get those at all. I, I just, yeah. But oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, no, I did not. <laughs> now we talked about Big Ben and. Seems good to go for Week One. His running back, and you mentioned he's probably not going to throw the ball 650 times. Which I wouldn't want a guy coming off that kind of tear throwing the ball as much too to kind of preserve him for the whole year because they could very well be a playoff team, sneaky playoff team because their defense is very, very good. Well, like Matthew said, it come in December. I mean, he's 30 years yeah. old. He's older. Well, I'll you know, see. Week just one, just give it fine. to Juju. Sure, it's be a lot to do of his yak ability. Gonna, we'll see Juju doing his TikTok whatever. dances in the end zone. He already said that. But James Conner, lots of injuries yeah. last year. I believe he has had four injuries in the past two years. Week two, suffered a knee sprain. Week five suffered an ankle sprain. Week six suffered a quad sprain. Then an AC joint sprain in week eight, which caused him to miss five games. And then right after he's basically recovered from the quad strain, he gets a quad contusion in week 16. And now he's in a contract year. Well, and now he's in a contract year. And I feel like I'm just listing up all these fake injuries reading off this. This is one guy suffering that much. So what do you make of this? I know on player profiler, he's, I believe, top. He's, he's the number one. Injury, I guess, predictor saying he's most likely to get injured out of any of the running backs. So I wonder what your take is on this and how you're. That's a lot of injuries in one season. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and certainly it's a concern. You know, and if it wasn't a concern, James Conner would be going in the top ten in fantasy drafts, right? So this is a question of of how risky do you want to be with your third and fourth round pick in redraft leagues? Because when he's on the field. He's awesome, and he produces for our fantasy rosters. But clearly, there's a, a risk there and associated with that. And I've kind of like been thinking about it. I put it out on, on BallBlastFootball.com, my injury profile on James Conner. If you want more details, but I was just kind of thinking like, what has his trajectory been since he entered the NFL? And really, it's been coming off of cancer treatment in college, and then having two MCL injuries, which had surgery. And you typically don't need surgery for those injuries, so it's kind of different, and it's not really the norm. Then he has all these recurring injuries. Uh, a couple years ago was the high ankle sprain. Last year, you just listed it, Justin, tons of injuries. These are all like ligament type injuries, which to me says maybe the cancer treatment had something to do with it. 
I'm not saying that's a definite fact, but you know, chemotherapy and, and the drugs that you get when you're on, um, you know, giving cancer treatment are they're non-selective tissue drugs. And that means basically they kind of destroy everything to make you live and to, to obviously kill off cancer. So it's not like it's selective in that it's just killing off cancer cells and preserving everything else. I'm not saying that is a factor. I'm saying it's possible. And maybe that's why we're seeing a decline here for James Conner over the, the last couple of years. Regardless, the risk is certainly there. I will definitely, you're not going to hear me say there's no risk with James Conner. It's obvious, but it's all about, you know, how did you build your roster in the early rounds? If you went like stud um, running back, stud running back again, maybe you're like, all right, I don't need James Conner this year. I'll pass and get a wide receiver. If you're looking for someone in the in the 20 to 24 range in ADP who could produce top 10 numbers, it's James Conner. So it just depends on what you want from that pick and that, that draft spot. Yeah, I was originally off on him. And I was waiting for this show to hear what Matthew had to say. And with that being said, what he's saying is I'm okay with him as an RB2 on my team or even RB3 if I want to go that running back heavy because the upside is there. And I want to finish first, not not finish last. You know, I don't want to just play it safe. So he's a crap move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to finish first. That's, that's what I do. And I tend to finish first. Like in our home league, I finished first. Right, here we go. A guy who's first place in my heart, well, 1B to Stefan Diggs. That's Odell Beckham. What disappointment was last year? Yes, but it was. the real thing was just touchdowns. He had, I believe, two. It was the whole joke, like, oh, Hunter Renfro has more touchdowns than Odell Beckham. This year, I believe we're going to see a improved Browns offense, improved Browns team. I'm a Dolphins fan. We've been <laughs> over this. But last season, I was telling people, if you want to go to Vegas, take a look at all the odds on the teams and put a, a smaller wager on a team to win a Super Bowl that would give you good odds. My choice last year before season started was the Tennessee Titans. Did they win? No, but it was looking pretty good for the time being. They beat the Ravens in the playoffs this year. That team is the Cleveland Browns. I'm not a fan of them, but I'm telling you, improved offensive line, improved. They have, they went from one of the worst teams with the worst offensive tackles to now they're, they're one of the top teams with the best offensive tackles and their offensive line is better. Baker Mayfield should be more efficient. He's not doing as many advertisements this year. Odell Beckham, <laughs> is now so many commercials yeah so many commercials like i feel like every single commercial i watched on football sunday was baker mayfield in it their defense should be improved yep. too denzel ward another year uh, greedy williams another year miles carrot back from his incident i'm i'm a believer in the browns team this year however that division is stacked as you mentioned with the the ravens and the steelers you're looking at me like this guy's well, last you year you said they were gonna we had a table bet okay that they were gonna win 13 games would they win five four i don't know yeah, well. I'm not a Browns fan, but Odell Beckham. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it was sports hernia. What is a sports hernia for people who don't know, and how does that impact a player's performance? It's a hernia you got playing sports. Well, no? yeah, thank you. It's a hernia you got playing sports. <laughs> Obviously, it's a hernia you got playing sports. Deontay Johnson also suffered this last year, but Matthew, I want to know what you got. He got surgery to fix it this offseason, so he's 100%. He says it's going through this year. So your outlook on Odell Beckham with his injury history and sports hernias. Optimistic, for sure. Oh, I'm predicting a pretty good bounce back here from Odell. Listen, sports hernia, man, it, it is painful. It is extremely painful. And this is one that typically you want to see the athlete have surgery on because, I, listen, I'm a proponent of PT, but rehab for this doesn't always work, especially in high-level athletes. And so usually uh, surgery is the way to go, and the outcomes are really, really good after the surgery. Now, what is a sports hernia? It's basically a junk term for anything around like your lower abdomen and your pelvis. You have groin muscles that attach there, your hip flexors, your core muscles, 
any of those muscles can basically have an injury to the tendon where it attaches on your pelvis. And then that creates a little tiny tear in the tendon. And anytime you do anything athletic, sprint, run, jump, brace for a hit with your core, it hurts like heck, man. And so, yeah, I believe Odell when he said he was in pain literally every single week from August 1st through the end of December. Mm. I believe it. And so still being able to top a thousand yards in that dysfunctional offense last year, Baker Mayfield per PFF benefited the most going from not throwing up out of play action to throwing out of play action. So I think they're going to make the game way easier for Baker, give him time to develop and throw the ball downfield to Odell. I think a big bounce bat's coming here for Odell. So I'm pretty excited about him this year. Odell Beckham, a guy who I haven't even really touted this year on the podcast, but let me tell you, in that range, he has as much upside as anyone else, sure. arguably more, to finish as the wide receiver one overall. We've seen it before. Last season, he was injured, sports hernia. It impacts a guy like that. I can imagine, but he still played with 1,000 yards like Matthew said. I'm telling you, you like Odell Beckham this year too. I'm just not a Baker fan. You, Hey, he was still pretty accurate last year despite the poor, poor offensive line play, despite the idiot. He is being coach, quiet this year, though. Like Freddie said, Kitchens, so. idiot. Now they got Kevin Stefanski, who should help increase his efficiency, lower the attempts. If I had Baker Mayfield at quarterback, I don't want him throwing the ball all the time because, like you said, wasn't that good. But, hey, you limit his attempts, make him more efficient, upgrade the offensive line like crazy, which is huge. Then I'm it's, it's wheels up because now Odell's going to have time to run these double moves, get open downfield, and not be in pain when he's running these double moves. So I love it. Teammate Jarvis Landry, hip surgery, was put on the pup list, just taken off the pup list. What do you guys say about this hip surgery, Matthew? Yeah, he had surgery to repair a torn labrum inside the hip joint, which basically is um, this little tiny kind of rim of cartilage that helps preserve the stability in the joint. And when it's injured, it can cause pain or like catching the hip joint, all those sort of things. And typically when you need surgery for it, it's, it's because the tear has gotten to a point where it's just... Uh, causing recurring pain and issues when you're doing athletic movements. So again, in this type of scenario, it's okay. He's coming off surgery. It's not anything to shy away from. I think just with, with Jarvis, you know, it might be smart for people to understand weeks one, week two, maybe week three. Let's see what happens because I don't think it's going to be a roaring start to the season for him. I mean, he is still coming off of major surgery. It's a weird preseason and training camp where like, we're not going to see him on the field. So we don't really know what he's doing. So it's hard to really say how much confidence I have in him week one, but I have confidence in, in, in his health in general from like the first three or four weeks of the season onward. So hopefully that makes sense. Awesome. Uh, maybe a little slower start, but yeah. I'm fine with him this year. Similar to Debo in a sense where he could be more of a buy low candidate and Jarvis Landry in he's a been sense, very consistent. He, yeah, exactly. Year. In a sense, he's always a buy low candidate because people don't really right. they they don't apply like a high value to this guy, even though he does he's put got up numbers. value every year. Exactly. Now, I mentioned the Browns last year how we had table bet this year and forever because I had to show commitment and I'm here to show commitment. It's the Miami Dolphins, <clears throat> and a lot of people are concerned about Tua Tungavailoa's hip and all these other injuries. Like I said, the show sheet's not going in order, but guess what? People listening, they have no idea. They think this guy's really good at segueing, <laughs> and I am. But Tua Tungvaloa, let's go through this injury history. He's got quite a big December history. 2018, left high ankle sprain, required surgery. October 2019, right high ankle sprain, required surgery. November 2019, right hip fracture and dislocation. But medically cleared by all these teams you see what he did at his little workout video 
and also in March 2018, I forgot about this. Got to go back, backtrack. Fractured thumb on a strong hand. Required surgery. <laughs> it's it's not pretty when you look at it, and I imagine him and Will Fuller have to be in the bottom of your list, Matthew, for players that you want to talk about with all these injuries. But what is your opinion on Tua Tungavailoa? And what do you expect for this guy, I guess, in his career? Because he has a left-handed quarterback. It was his right hip. So some of my friends have pointed out, oh, it's his right hip, left-handed throw. He's going to get hit more on that side. But do you have any concerns about his hip and all these other injuries? I think that does make sense just from biomechanics, right? Like you're, you're a left-handed quarterback. You're stepping on your right leg, yeah. and you're twisting your core and your pelvis at a high velocity. So you're basically rotating on a planted leg, which does matter in the short term. Um, but it, obviously now we're, we're far enough out from injury and from – Surgery, the medical checks along the way have been glowing with Tua, and, and honestly, better than I predicted way back when. I mean, the, the injury was so serious that he literally could have never played football again. Yeah. So it was so, so serious because essentially, when you dislocate your hip, there is a blood vessel that goes into the hip joint that can be uh, compromised, basically. And if that happens, the bone dies and you need your hip replacement surgery. So thank goodness the, wow. the medical staff at Alabama was on their A game, got things figured out, got him back to where he needed to be and with the surgery was able to progress each week and each month throughout the offseason really impressive now do his old injuries scare me not really because the ankle surgeries were voluntary so these these were not injuries and surgeries where it was like oh if you don't have surgery like you're done kind of thing basically what he had done it's called a tightrope procedure and it's kind of newer and it's it's starting to become more mainstream but basically the idea is like in a short-term high ankle sprain Sometimes this can help accelerate the recovery process, and it's not very invasive. It doesn't carry a, a very long recovery process. I think he played like two weeks after it. So that gives me less concern than someone else that has like a major high ankle injury that requires surgery, which carries like a 12-week rehab, right? So it's very different. I'm not really concerned about that injury history. To talk about his hip, I mean, by definition, because of the dislocation, he's going to get arthritis in his hip. It is going to happen. It's going to be earlier than you or I. It's going to happen eventually. When that happens, we just don't know. And so for now, entering week one in, in 2020, Tua has probably a year to sit or at least part of the year to sit behind Fitzpatrick and learn and kind of get acclimated to the NFL, and that's fine. But I think for 2021, he's going to be fine, and he's going to be 100% going into the season. You just have to ask yourself if you're playing Dynasty, you know, three, four, five, heck, I don't know, eight years from now, like, are you ready to move on from Tua knowing that the, the, the hip arthritis is coming or where is he at in that process? So he's more of a short-term play in Dynasty, but absolutely love the guy. Can't wait to see what he does in the field. Um, really easy to got to root for too. Yeah. So very excited. Let's go Tua. And, and, I like that. That's and, forward thinking for my franchise. And trust me, arthritis hurts. I, I know. I, I, I shadowed a couple orthopedics and then two arthritis. shoulder surgeries. There's arthritis uh, setting in. You there. got some arthritis in there for sure. Dalvin Cook's shoulder, sternoclavicular joint he just it's a sprain in week 11 causing the miss of two games well he then he straight uh, sprained his shoulder again in week 15 missing two games it's always something with Dalvin Cook I feel like it's it's always something originally it was always something with Leonard Fournette but he hasn't really been hurt since 2018 so he's in the clear now so Dalvin Cook if someone were to say this guy is injury prone which we know well I know that the term is just false, but people are going to be out there saying, oh, this guy's always injured. So what's your outlook for Dalvin Cook's shoulder? And is he injury prone? <laughs> I love that that question gets asked all the time, but I hate answering it because yeah. it's so important for people to know. 
Um, I, I'm not a believer in the term injury prone. I believe more players are prone to certain injuries. For example, someone that has multiple hamstring strains is probably going to get one more likely than someone else. The, the research shows that. But saying a player as a, as a catch-all term is injury prone is kind of incorrect. But for Dalvin Cook, I am concerned about the shoulder. Um, definitely at this point. I mean, last year entering the year, not really. Entering the NFL, not really. But now we're seeing things pile up. And he's had multiple surgeries to repair the labrum in his shoulder. We talked about the labrum in the hip. It's the same idea in the shoulder. It helps to provide stability. Well, now he's having recurring shoulder injuries on the same shoulder. And so the whole system just kind of gets compromised a little bit more each time that happens. The risk of, of re-dislocation or a, an instability event in the shoulder after the labral repair surgery drops down to about 20 to 30%, depending on which study you read. It's about 50 if you don't have surgery. So the risk is certainly there, but now he's adding on these extra injuries on top of it. So the risk is going up and it's going up and it's going up every single year. I'm not drafting Dalvin Cook in round one of my fantasy drafts when I'm on the clock. It's just too rich of a price to pay for a guy that, yes, he's amazing when he's on the field, but how much he's going to be on the field, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a big question mark. That's Dynasty, a very valid point right there. Because he's going, what, the fifth running back off the board? Fifth or sixth usually, and I'm not touching him there either because I'm taking my boy Miles Sanders, baby. I know Matthew's an Eagles fan. He can definitely agree Let's with go. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. that gets a correct answer. Sound effect. <laughs> Miles Sanders is always the correct answer. Love Miles Sanders. Guess what? Not talking about him on the show because he didn't get injured, and he's going to not get injured because I believe in this dude. He's preparing his body like Saquon Barkley does. They're training together offseason it's gonna be it's gonna be fireworks Saquon Barkley's teammate Evan Ingram not so many fireworks with his injury history he's missed more than 30 percent of his games due to injury week nine last year a midfoot sprain that required Liz Frank surgery we talked about that with Marquise Brown so week nine and now he's going to week one are you expecting him to go on a pop push what are you expecting for Evan Ingram this year yeah, he's another tricky guy to to kind of nail down on in terms of like how confident can we be, yeah. and it's mostly because we, we don't we're not going to see him in preseason. We're not going to see him really do much on the field, and he's a guy that I need to see more to say like, all right, I'm I'm confident in where he's at. He did have a Liz Frank injury and surgery, but like we talked about earlier, the Liz Frank surgery is not the same for every player. So, by all accounts, his injury as well as that of Cam Newton were pretty mild, and and the surgery was really kind of just to help accelerate healing down the line so there's risk no doubt about it but I feel like for Evan Ingram the type of player he is he's still super young he's still super athletic this year unlike last year and the year before like you didn't really have to pay up to get him on your roster you can draft him I've seen sometimes in like eighth ninth round and at that price I think I'm in on Evan Ingram if, if you're telling me I had to pay a fourth or a fifth round pick I'm out but I think the injury risk is baked in and yes he might start a little bit slower this year but when he's on the field, man, you could argue there aren't many tight ends as athletic as Evan Ingram are in the league. Yeah, That's for sure. He's the guy where I'm like, this guy, when he's on the field, almost top five guaranteed. He just puts up a lot of points, gets a target share, and his yak ability is amazing. So a guy, you you just got the okay take this guy in the mid rounds from the fantasy PT and that's all you really want to hear when you talk about these injury players now we're already 35 minutes in got a lot more guys in the show sheet so I'm gonna quickly go to the three more guys that I really want to touch on out of like the X amount we have left and then we'll kind of go rapid fire just on your expectation for the remainder being Cam Newton he's back he's back baby this guy is back he's on the Patriots a lot of people are concerned about his shoulder which he had a shoulder sprain in 2018. I believe 
but that's probably not really as much a concern as it is his foot. So he had recovery on a midfoot sprain, and the biggest thing with Cam Newton, I believe, is his rushing ability. And it's always, if Cam Newton's healthy, he's a top eight quarterback. If he's not healthy, we we've seen what he happens when he's not healthy. It's it's not pretty. It's so, a shame we use that line a lot. If well, if with Cam Newton we, especially, well, we you look at his seasons. Like this dude, rookie year, healthy, four thousand plus yards, QB one in fantasy, amazing. And I believe this is arguably his best weapons he's had in his career and best offensive line. So I want to know what Matthew's thoughts are on his foot because I believe it's really his rushing ability, and you can also touch on the shoulder as well. And where do you think he uh, he lies? He, he looks motivated. I mean, I can, Dad. You're talking about DK Metcalf and Saquon Barkley. If you, if you were to look at Cam Newton right now, he's got to be up on your list. You know, you're not a big Cam Newton fan. That dude is not human at all. Look, he's looking like a linebacker playing quarterback. So Matthew, what do you think about his foot, and what do you expect from him? <laughs> Yeah, the workout videos uh, are definitely getting me a little bit hyped <laughs> for Cam. But, you know, going back to his injuries, it's so tough. Like, if, he's kind of an enigma, honestly, because there's so many moving parts for Cam this year, starting with the injury history. He did have the shoulder injury a couple years ago, rotator cuff injury, which he actually injured trying to tackle someone on a pick six. So it wasn't like his shoulder was failing him and kind of on a decline. He basically fell on an outstretched shoulder, which can cause injury, um, obviously. And so... From there, we kind of saw this cascade of events where eventually the shoulder kind of got to a point where it was bothering him. He had surgery to remove a piece of cartilage that basically broke off inside the joint. And so again, like Tua, by definition, he's going to have arthritis in his shoulder. So dynasty lens, he's not going to play till he's 40. I have a very little confidence in that type of player. He's not a Tom Brady. But can he be productive in the short term with his shoulder? Heck yeah, he can. I, I think he's going to be really good this year with his arm. I have very little concern about his arm at all. And then going to his Liz, Liz Frank surgery, again, it's not all the same. His was really mild. I was fortunate enough to be on a podcast, uh, the FF Faceoff. They did a potathon a, a few weeks ago. Stefania Bell stopped by the show. Somehow I was lucky enough to, to talk with her. And she was like, I'm hearing everything around his surgery that it was really mild, not a huge concern, and he looks awesome. So I think he enters week one at full strength and full health. And you talked about it. The dude is motivated. Oh, yeah. But this offense i mean you hear it all the time it's just so difficult to pick up can cam really step in and just go from the from the get-go with this offense i'm not sure his health will be there though early on we'll just kind of yeah. see what bill belichick schemes up for him let me tell you i'm a believer i'm buying into cam newton i believe he has top eight upside everyone wants to know this year's patrick mahomes two years ago when he broke out lamar jackson last year i don't think we're gonna have anything similar to those two we got lucky these past two years a lot of people I know they're smart are saying Joe Burrow. I agree. Joe Burrow has a lot of upside to be this year's late-round breakout quarterback. Another one of my favorites is Gardner Minshew. And the third one, who I really believe, is Cam Newton because rushing upside is there. Well, he's going to have to rush now. I'm a believer because I don't even right – like, yeah, it's Bill Belichick. Now they got Lamar Miller there. Uh, just yeah, I, mean, I don't Sony. care about Lamar Miller. I'm, I'm just saying. Talk, you just saying how, you can't just bring up Lamar Miller on this podcast. I don't want to talk about crappy back, players. I'm saying because the back – No, you just brought up Lamar Miller. Well, they just they just signed him. He's got – no, I don't care. He's got James White and it's Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle. James White is the only guy to own there. Yeah. Now, I did say I want to touch on some big guys then rapid fire. One of the guys I want to rapid fire on is Sonny Michelle. Foot surgery this offseason. Seems like every single offseason he's getting surgery. 
Uh, this I'm avoiding him. I mean, that's the answer. I'm avoiding him, but I want to know what you think. I just about. told you the only guy to take in that backfield. Don't did you say Lamar Miller? No, I did not <laughs> say Lamar Miller. <laughs> it's it's Damian Harris. It's not Lamar Miller. <laughs> it's James White. No, it's it's, it's Damian Harris no. later. Either or, both good. But anyway. Sony Michelle every offseason this guy's getting surgery. This this offseason like went almost unannounced, but in May had foot surgery. Just went on the pup list. What's your thoughts on? I mean, I think the Lamar Miller signing tells you what you got to know about this. But real quickly, Matt, Sony Michelle. Yeah, it depends on how quickly you want to talk about this. Uh, I got two things to say, yeah, go for it. Um, and they are, I'm out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Moving on, a guy I do I'm want to touch on a little bit is Josh oh. Jacobs' shoulder fracture. <laughs> this dude still managed to play through it, missed a couple games down the stretch. You saw him miss a week. Then DeAndre Washington had some good weeks, well, a good week. Then he came back the next week after that, played through it. So this guy's tough as nails. That's what I'm seeing from it. But I want to know what your thoughts are on his recovery and the shoulder fracture. Yeah, zero concerns for me. I think Josh Jacobs is, is good to go. He gets the green light. Basically was dealing with a, a tiny chip fracture in his shoulder blade after having an AC joint injury, which is not super common, but it does happen. And, and really what that needs is time. And obviously now we have a full offseason. He's going to be totally fine this year. And I will say there might have been reason that he wasn't involved in the passing game last year when he suffered that injury. There, That point on, he basically was not involved at all. And the, the coaching staff came out after the season and said, well, we didn't really want to expose him to additional hits and workload. And obviously with the shoulder injury, raising your arms up to kind of catch a football, it can be difficult. So I'm optimistic that that was what's going on with him. And so I've kind of been rising on him quite a bit not only from a health perspective, but just from, man, if this guy gets anything in the passing oh, game. Yes. I mean, what, would you, what would you guys say? Top five RB potential this season? Easily. I think he's going to be he passing I, down I think he's gonna be involved in a passing game this year. I, I think he's definitely top five potential. Who do you like more? Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler? I like Austin Eckler. Oh. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, you wanna you wanna put that on the table? No. Uh, oh, I like them both, but I like Austin. You wanna what's cool? I like <laughs> both of those guys too, and I really, really, really like Miles Sanders. And we have a bet on the table that's Miles Sanders versus Austin Eckler. And I've never had as easy as a win on a bet in my you entire life. That. Oh, it's you so true. Oh, I, we I, could I, go into a, we're gonna do a seven-hour podcast on Miles seven Sanders hour. And, and DJ Moore because I love those two very, very much. A guy I don't really love, but I have to have respect for him is Chris Carson. Just what a mess. Hip fracture in week 16. You talked about Tua's hip fracture and dislocation. Thank goodness Chris Carson didn't dislocate it. But this back is also a mess because Rashad Penny, ACL, and meniscus tear week 14. He's most likely going on a pup list. And from what I've heard on reports and stuff is that his recovery isn't going great and his knee is kind of nasty. So you want to touch on that backfield with those two guys and what your outlook is for them. Yeah, Rashad Penny is a virtual lock to start on Pup, and, and even if he doesn't, I mean, he shouldn't be drafted this year in fantasy. Maybe we see something in, like, November, December, but at, at that point, who knows? And, and really, the, what it comes down to for him is not just the ACL. He also had additional damage inside the knee joint, potentially, I think, a cartilage injury. And so it just takes longer to get back to, to full speed and full strength. So I'm out on Rashad Penny this year. It's unfortunate. But for Chris Carson, I'm, I'm getting more optimistic about him because of the fact that his hip fracture, way different than Tua's, um, no dislocation, like you said. He also didn't require surgery, which tells us that the, the fracture in the hip was not necessarily an unstable fracture, meaning there was no bone kind of displaced where it shouldn't be. And the recovery timeline, therefore, is faster. Now, again, 
I wish I could see him on the field. I wish I could see a little bit of preseason work, see what he looks like to really say I have full confidence. But I think he's going to have every opportunity to be this team's workhorse the way he's always been. To me, the Carlos Hyde signing is depth and not really much else. Awesome. So you're on. So you're on the clock. I'll ask both of you this. Uh, you're, you're on the clock. Miles Sanders. <laughs> That's the, you got three guys who are. Sign me up for that. <laughs> three guys who are injury prone. Who are you taking? You taking Todd Gurley? Oh God. Chris Carson. Oh no. Or David Johnson. They're all in that same area. Who's your most reliable? That's a great question. The, the you know, hold on there. a second. You, I mean, this is obviously this is Matthew's spotlight because I want to hear the injuries. So you haven't said much other than mentioning Lamar Miller, which I'm not. Th- that was just disgraceful. But I'm that that was a them. great All question. All I said was they signed him. That was a great question, and I'm gonna tell you the answer right now. It's Leonard Fournette. No, he's not in there. <laughs> no, it's it's for me. It's David Johnson, but I'm curious to Matt's thoughts because he's gonna be taking the more analytical approach I'm to these say injuries. It's Chris Carson. Oh, God. Out of those three, but what do you think, Matthew? Yeah, for me, it's also Chris Carson. Oh, I suck. Um, (laughs) Give us us the the tinger. Yeah. (laughs) Give us the thing. Awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a tough that's one. That's gonna be a tough choice. You're gonna have you need a running back, you gotta choose between those is, three. Is Jonathan Taylor also available? Uh, no, I only gave you those three choices. All right, well, I don't know. I'm probably gonna see who has Jonathan Taylor <laughs> and give him whatever pick I have right here, plus some more. Jonathan Taylor's already gone. You got those three to pick from. James Conner? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. I mean, I'm also off on Todd Gurley, but we're gonna talk about him now. So Last offseason, everyone was like, oh, arthritis, arthritis, oh, no, stay away. Oh, I don't like him. And now this offseason, people are on him. Some I mean, Atlanta, are on him, some are Atlanta's off. there, but the arthritis word around Todd Gurley isn't really being pushed out as much as well. It's the last offseason. So any, I mean, it's a degenerative disease, so that means it gets worse over time. And I'm not no rocket scientist, <laughs> but I believe more time has passed from last offseason to this offseason so more time making this injury worse is it, are you concerned about his knee and i'm avoiding him in drafts but i'm curious to what you're doing in drafts matthew todd Gurley is such an enigma man I, I really don't know what to expect from him this season it's because the range of outcomes is literally like rb5 or like rb60 like that is the range of outcomes for todd Gurley, because there's major concerns with the offensive line. There's also major concerns with workload. Like, is he going to be able to hold up to 20 touches a game for 16 games? I don't think so. I think Todd Gurley is a back that at this point in his career is a 12 to 15 touch guy, and that's good for what that is. Like, that's back end RB2, maybe numbers, flex type territory. But I think he's going higher than that. And, and really, you know, looking at, at the backfield, though, this is the other side of it. It's like, well, okay, look at the depth chart. Are you really going to give the ball to Ito Smith or Brian Hill or Quadre Allison? Probably not. And so there's there's such a, a range of outcomes of what could happen. He could be awesome if he stays healthy, but if he doesn't, it's going to ruin your 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 team. So at his ADP, I'm not touching him because I think the risk is too high. I will say I'll probably have some exposure to him like in DFS and that sort of thing. So I'm interested to see what happens with Gurley, but I feel like for season long, I'm most likely out on Gurley. Yes, we're going to play this guy or that guy game with Todd Gurley, but you mentioned in DFS he's going to be a very intriguing option, and I'm I'm spoiling it right now. So I, I'm branching away from the Father-Son podcast this, this year. I know me and my buddy Dan LaMagna from Dynasty Theory are starting our own DFS podcast. We're going to have our first episode coming soon. I believe it's going to be called In the Money DFS Podcast with Coach Dan. 
and Money J because I like making money and it's going to be a fun time, me and him. So, you know, not as mainstream as the mainstream guys is like Evan Silva and all of them. So you're going to get some sneaky picks with us and hopefully make you guys some money. But excited to do that and you guarantee it that Tyler Gurley will be in some of those weeks depending on the matchup. But if you're on the clock in a redraft league, Todd Gurley going on running back 15. Todd Gurley or James Conner? Dad, who you got? He's looking down at the floor. Matthew, Todd, who you Todd got? Todd Gurley. You got Todd Gurley. I got James Conner. Who do you got, Matthew? I got Gurley two spots ahead of my ranks. Ooh, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley. You already mentioned Chris Carson. Chris both Carson. you guys, okay. David Johnson, Todd Gurley. Chris Carson. What about you, Matthew? Ooh. <laughs> Wasn't the option David Johnson or Todd Gurley? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in that scenario I'm taking I'm taking David Johnson it's gross Leonard Fournette Todd Gurley Leonard Fournette Todd Gurley ooh Le'Veon Bell Todd neither Le'Veon Bell no Melvin Gordon Todd Gurley Melvin Gordon ooh Melvin yeah Gordon. he's going six running back spots seven yeah and Jonathan Taylor over Todd Gurley every day of the week give me Jonathan Taylor that dude if you see him it's he's a big man and I'm scared of him I would not want to I would not want to you know, tackle him. AJ Green, I could tackle AJ Green. He's he's kind I of. I don't think he can. I mean, probably not. But he <laughs> he's, he's what six three two sixteen. I'm six. You can't even catch him. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna, even at his age. I'm not going to catch him. He's an NFL athlete. But AJ Green ankle reconstruction surgery. What even is that? That's what I want to know. Like, you just reconstruct his whole ankle. Like, and <laughs> what's his outlook this year? He didn't play at all last year and missed a lot of games in 2018. So. I believe he has upside, and in those rounds where he's going, around six or seven, you mentioned Evan Ingram. I'm definitely okay with taking A.J. Green because he does have top 12 wide receiver upside, upside in his range yeah, of outcomes, but curious to the PT's thoughts. Sure. Yeah, it's he's another really tricky one this year because last year I was, I was definitely down on A.J. Green. Just basically the idea of coming off of a major toe reconstruction surgery where he tore ligaments um, – in the opposite opposite foot as what he had the ankle so now you have major injuries and surgeries on both feet and ankles and that matters for sure but the toe at this point i think is is it's almost like a blessing in disguise sometimes when injuries happen you know like the ankle injury allows the toe to be okay so now i have very little concern about his toe on the opposite foot then last year we see it like the first week of training camp has the high ankle sprain requires surgery to address a cartilage injury inside the ankle joint and that's what that terminology refers to is the reconstruction that takes forever to feel normal again like at least a year so anyone expecting anything from aj green last year was going to be disappointed and obviously he sat out for the entire year and it wasn't because he didn't want to play i mean you watch any of his like pre-game warm-up videos from like week 12 and 13 he was still favoring that ankle and so i believe it when he said you know it really wasn't 100 at all now entering the season i think he will be but it's just a matter of like, what is AJ Green anymore? Like, is he a fourteen hundred yard guy with ten touchdowns? No, probably not, especially with a rookie quarterback, right? So, like, what do you expect from AJ Green? That's what you have to ask yeah. yourself. I think I'm fine with him as like my wide receiver three, maybe two if I just hammer running back early, because the upside is certainly there. I mean, he's AJ Green, but we just haven't seen him on a field, and so it's so hard to predict what he's going to look like yeah, this season. Yeah, definitely is. 32 years old. He's only six months older than Julio Jones. People are buying into Julio Jones, who's also had his own array of injuries. I love Julio. Similar. Julio could be the wide receiver one if he gets the touchdowns. Definitely could be. Julio Jones is amazing. Don't and I think he's him. getting a touchdown But AJ Green's sure. body type and his uh, resume, I believe he does have one to two more years of good production left in him, but like you said, it's, very, it's a big question mark, which is why wide receiver three for your team, I think, is just perfect. So definitely 
taking him there. A wide receiver I want to touch on for my Dolphins, Preston Williams, midseason ACL tear. Every year, I haven't talked about an ACL tear with, yet with you today. So here we go. It's the moment of truth. ACL, baby. We're talking about the ACL. They take over a year to recover. Everyone knows their second year back is always better than the first because it takes a while to recover. And a lot of players who suffer this tear are more susceptible to supplementary injuries such as ankle sprains or MCL sprains, stuff like that. So he's not going to be 100% by week one because it hasn't been a year yet, if the math is correct, Matthew. So what's your outlook on him and the whole supplementary injuries from ACL tears? Uh, I guess not analogy, just fact. <laughs> Yeah, and certainly that's a it's a huge continuum. I mean, sometimes players do really well after the ACL surgery, and there's no concern. We saw that with Cooper Cup last year, but there's also instances where we see like recurring like hamstring issues coming off the ACL injury, which we saw with Will Fuller last year. So there's a wide spectrum of what can happen. I think it's too early to tell with Preston Williams. The other thing too is just you know he's entering week one at about the nine month post-op period his injury happened in november and had surgery in november so yeah i'm expecting a slower start for preston williams there's reports coming out that they're going to ease him back into action early in the year so again maybe a value come mid-season but i think for redraft leagues i'm not really targeting preston williams even at his uh, pretty depressed ADP. Yeah, keep an eye out for Mike Gusecki. I mean, people say he's just not good at football. Yes. Tight end takes a while to learn, though. Year three, just look at him dunking a basketball. Oh, that's all I care about. That's how I judge my players. They can dunk a basketball? Moving up my list. That's why Cam Newton's number one. Sign me up. That's all I need to see. Now, your favorite guy to talk about, most likely, Will Fuller. I mean, this guy is the perfect picture of health. Never gets hurt at all. Never? No. His hamstrings just made out of like so spaghetti. So he's the guy you want in Houston? Yeah. Will, all right. This year, his upside is very intriguing to me. Like, I am higher on Will Fuller this year because he is the number one guy in this offense. I believe I think he's better than Brandon Cooks, who also has his own injury problems. But Will Fuller, man, well, what Brandon a mess Cooks he is. is. His hamstrings are made of spaghetti. They just basically snap on knee injuries, knee injuries. So. A guy Matthew's probably never touching in drafts, but the upside is definitely there. So I want you to touch on just Will Fuller as a human being and just wow. I mean, if anyone's injury prone, I guess you could say this guy is definitely his soft tissue. He's got he's got to get something done with that. <laughs> yeah, Will Fuller, man. <laughs> the upside is insane. Uh, it's so it's such a bummer. Like I wish we could have that in our lineups, but obviously the trend has not been great. Coming off the ACL injury last year, it was just never going to happen for him. You you combine a, a player who's got a long history of hamstring injuries. We just talked about how there can be um, hamstring issues, even in players who haven't had a, a history of, of, a, of a hamstring injury. Combine that with the ACL injury, and it was just never going to happen for Will Fuller. So now people are so down on him. They're like, all right, one too many times. I'm out on Will Fuller. And I'm still concerned. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still concerned about Will Fuller. But this year, of any year, I'm willing to draft him at price because he's going as almost wide receiver 40 last time I looked. And if you're telling me you, you might get Deshaun Watson's one with 150 targets out the door with DeAndre Hopkins, if he plays 10 games and he gives you wide receiver one numbers most of the time, it's worth that draft pick. So really, it's all about, again, roster construction. If you take two safe wide receivers to start your draft, I'm totally fine with Will Fuller. But, of course, the risk is there. And I will say, I did draft him in Scott Fishbowl. So, 
<laughs> That's all I need to hear. It's okay. It's the draft will forward, baby. It's okay. <laughs> the draft will forward. It's here. I'm happy for it. I'm hoping this guy can at least stay healthy for eight games. That's all we need to full forward because the boom weeks are there. Larry Tunsil, a beast at tackle. And then they have their guy, Titus. I don't forget his last name. I want to say Titus Howard. I honestly I say Titus. he's the guy that, I mean, Brandon Cooks is one concussion away from ending his career. Yeah, concussions are a whole different story, but that's we're not touching him. But that was our list of injuries. A round of applause for Matthew here because, I mean, Ooh. he definitely has to drink a lot of water after this episode because oh, yeah. I believe his mouth is probably really dry. Just talking injury, injury, injury. But that's what you guys got to do. Any questions, just go back and re-listen to that. And my Twitter at Justin underscore FFB, your Twitter at Paul FSFF, Matthew's Twitter at the Fantasy PT. But before we get you out of here, Matthew, I need a bold, bold fantasy prediction. And I, I'm trying to stay away from it. I mean, if you want to know a really bold one, Will Ford doesn't get hurt. That's the, probably the boldest <laughs> one you can ever probably put in the world. But I need a bold fantasy mm. prediction because you're not just a fantasy PT. You also do your own analysis on players and stuff and do a podcast, Redshirts Pod. I'm just plugging it all. Go check that out as well. I love it. <laughs> Give us a bold prediction, Matthew. All right. I don't know how bold this is because it seems like everyone is on this player this year. Oh. But at the same time, his ADP is not moving. And so for me, my bold prediction is Terry McLaurin finishes the season as a wide receiver one. His ADP is not moving. And so for me, my bold prediction is Terry McLaurin finishes the season as a wide receiver one in fantasy. He's currently going as the wide receiver 25, and I can't even wrap my head around it. The dude is an absolute baller. Came out last year, looking at pro football focus, they, they kind of grade players, right? So they look at the grades for wide receivers. Here's a list of players that were above Terry McLaurin last year, okay? It's an insane list. Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, end of list. I mean, the dude was a monster, and I'm not really willing to give up on Dwayne Haskins just yet, mostly because of the fact that people forget two years ago at Ohio State, he broke Drew Brees' Big Ten passing touchdown record. So, yes, it wasn't great last year, but you know what? Terry McLaurin was good last year with Case Freaking Keenum. So, I'm in on Terry McLaurin, man. He's my boy. He's my plant my flag type of player. Um, and I'm getting him everywhere as a wide receiver three. It's awesome. I got him in fishbowl, baby. You lucky son <laughs> of a bitch. I'll tell you why I wanted him so badly. I was at the 12 spots. So I couldn't get him, but I love Terry McLaurin. Matthew and I have very similar brains. You both like the human body enough to want to work in the medical field. Both love Miles Sanders. We both like Hollywood Brown. And we both love us some Terry McLaurin. Man, oh man. One of the guys I'm also planting my flag, and you mentioned it. And I mean, I could just go on and on days about Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Miles Sanders. No, no, it's again. a beautiful, I mean, hey, these are the guys I like to watch play football. Terry McLaurin, film guys love him, analyst guys love him. And it can't get any worse in Washington. Now that Darius Geis is no longer on the team, they're probably going to throw the ball more, and they already should be throwing the ball more. So please just give Terry McLaurin more and more volume. And he also had a hamstring injury last year, causing him to miss two games. If 
If he played those two games, he would have broke 1K yards, and I guarantee you that 25 wide receiver ADP will be closer to Just imagine what he can do if Haskins gets playing like he did. Remember, the splits were only different. It was just touchdowns. So if he improves among what he did and then gets touchdowns, oh, Terry McLaurin, top 12 wide receiver. Bold prediction, definitely, because the ADP has not moved. I don't, like Matt said, I don't know how it hasn't moved. But no complaints over here. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand either. <laughs> I love it though. I love it too. It makes the case for going running back, running back to start your draft. You sure. get guys like DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller, Marvin yeah. Jones, all these guys, Robert Woods, all these guys later in the draft just makes too much sense. Thank you for coming on the show. If people haven't been listening the past couple of times I said it, where can they find you on Twitter and what do you do in the fantasy industry? Yeah, absolutely, guys. This is a blast. Every year I look forward to the show, so I'm already looking forward to next year. Um, everyone can find me on Twitter at TheFantasyPT. You can find me on the Red Shirts Dynasty po- uh, podcast as part of BallBlastFootball.com. And then this year I'll be hosting the Fantasy Footballers GFS podcast um, as well. You can Ooh. find my injury write-ups in the Ultimate Draft Kit. And I'll be contributing to the DFS pass for the Ballers. So, man, I'm going to be super busy this season, but I can't wait. Nice. Uh, yeah, very excited about Congratulations it. Congratulations yes. on all of that. I did see the DFS podcasting for the Ballers. That's, that's huge. And I, I hope it brings you more success because you deserve it. The injury updates, the injury, everything, it's just very helpful to know. And that's why this episode is one of our favorites every year. Yeah. This year's title is probably going to be Dalvin Cook is injury prone. I, I keep the injury prone title in there just so people will click on it. That's all I need. So if you guys listen to that, that's probably what the title is going to be. It works. Dalvin yeah. Cook is injury prone. That's probably the clickbait. Or Alvin Kamara is injury prone. How's that? Is that good? I mean, I don't know. One of the Dalvin two. I'll just Cook put whatever. Yeah, I'll do Dalvin Cook because everyone <laughs> agrees. Oh, he is injury prone. Click. <laughs> just kidding. Bitch. Nah. All right. Well, that's, that's going to do it for all of us today. <laughs> Subscribe if you guys made it this far. Follow us all on Twitter in the description below. And we'll see you guys next time.